afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Molecules and Shit, and this is a science podcast. I'm your co-host, P-Funk, at P-Funk and Around on Twitter. And I'm joined by your host, Koki Negra. Doctor? Sir? <sighs> How's your uh, first week on the march towards the end of the Trump era? Uh, I've been following the transition a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Daily. Hourly. <laughs> Not hourly. I'm, I'm not in D.C. anymore. But, you know, what I figured out is I have way too many black clothes. When you have to work <laughs> on the hill, like I have every box I open has more black pants in it. Yeah, that's the uniform. You didn't know that. I knew it, but I didn't realize how well I would bought into it. That's why they had such a big stink when Obama wore the tan suit. It's like, I know. yeah, you only have like one or two opportunities to wear a different color before they're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, I think there are 15 pair hanging in the closet, and I'm not anywhere near <laughs> done. Well, you'll just not as many jackets though. Like maybe only eight jackets, but 15 pairs of black pants. You'll just be the sharpest, most professional person in the room at all times. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna start. You're gonna try to what, switch it up and get something red, something orange. Well, I have brightly colored shirts although i haven't found that box yet <laughs> i know that life <laughs> i try to do three boxes a night i don't always make it yeah do you have the have you had the problem that we had where you have enough space but you don't have a place to put it if that makes any sense well yeah this this place is really different from my last one and where i would have put it in my last apartment just doesn't work here mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i have enough space but it's just oddly designed right like there was one place it was one apartment i had one time where i had plenty of space for myself but in the kitchen there was no like um you know how there's like storage underneath the sink or mm-hmm. storage like you know on the bottom like towards the floor for your pots and your things like that mm-hmm. this apartment had zero it was all cabinets and they all like reached up to the ceiling and I'm like, what in the stepladder is this bullshit? <laughs> I well, li- imagine how hard that would be for me. Oh, At least you're over six feet tall. Oh, I, would, I can't reach anything above the first shelf. I would make a TikTok video just about you trying to get things out of your cabinets. It'd be hilarious. We'd, ma- we'd have so many hits. Stop it. <laughs> I would just be like, well, Koki's going to get the, uh, the high gluten flour. <laughs> we'll see how that goes today. <laughs> Oh, she wants the good bottle of wine. Ooh, this is about to be fun, guys. Oh, you are so wrong. People, you know people would watch. That'd be hilarious. It's like, eh, eh. Hilarious to people who make fun of short people. And I'm not even short. I'm an average height for a woman. But I don't know. Uh, okay. I am. Mm. I, I just don't understand who they think is up there. I, I it, And the, this other thing is the cabinets are kind of like they were recessed. So it's not like they were like flush with like the the, the counter where you could so just you really put, have to reach in. Yes, you'd have to put the step ladder up and then go up and then reach into the back and like you just asking for for death in a lawsuit. But yeah, I've already fallen once in this apartment, so that's all right. Oh, what happened? Is it the floor too buff? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I decided to move my bed over like six inches mm-hmm. and then. The, the side bed rail fell out, and so I had to move the mattress and oh. the box spring. 
And then once I got all that up, I realized the cat had thrown up under the bed. So I went and got the vacuum cleaner and I sucked up the, the it was at least a month old because it was totally dry. Ugh. And when I was stepping out, I fell over, pushed my hand through the bottom of the box spring, got an uppercut in the boob from the from the vacuum cleaner. Um. And then I just had to lay down. So yeah, you do it too much by yourself. My boob has a black and blue mark in the shape of Argentina. Oh. I guess it's trying to tell me I need a vacation. Oh, I thought it was, meant it was trying to tell you to get a tattoo. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think you were trying to do too much by yourself. Yeah. I moving so. moving a mattress in a box spring, a queen size for myself is a is an undertaking. Yeah. That shit's heavy. Yeah. That part was fine. It was just me tripping. That the problem was my clumsiness, not moving the mattress. That part was okay. Mm. I feel like it was your cat conspiracy theory no he was outside because oh, okay. once you start moving things you have to put the cat outside because he'll get right in the middle like what are we doing now mm-hmm. how about you go somewhere else those those sound like facts and in trump world those are invalid you have to wait till mm-hmm. january 20th to whip those out anyway yes All anyway right, I'm sorry let's talk about science and not my clumsy ass gravity is science but anyway <laughs> Yes. So, okay. So, um, speaking of watching the transition, Biden is and his team are already working on uh, getting everything in order for him to take power in the White House. His transition team has already unveiled members of the COVID-19 task force, which makes sense because that is the biggest thing impacting the country, impacting jobs, impacting the economy, everything. Um, let's see. So they unveiled some members. The At the top of the list is Rick Bright former head of the vaccine development agency, BARDA. Do you want to briefly talk about uh, BARDA and Rick Bright? We, I know we talked about it on a previous episode. Yeah, we did. So Rick Bright was unwilling to go along with the, uh, what was it, hydroxychloroquine uh-huh. thing. Yeah. Um, but BARDA is, is sort of like the government arm of a private-public partnership where they try to get companies to work on things that, the government wants done and they pay them a lot for it. Mm-hmm. So most of the time when I was working with anybody at BARDA, it was about antimicrobial resistance because, you know, microbiologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously this went to the top of the list. Um, and usually when BARDA puts the, the gas on something, they do get, they do get results. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, they, they do, it might not be the biggest thing or the most exciting thing, but, it's the thing that works. If you know, do you know like what percentage of or what portion of the budget does BARDA constitute from HHS? Is it like a it's, big percentage or is it just... No, it's not very much. I mean, okay. it's nowhere near like Medicare and Medicaid or mm-hmm. anything like that. But mm-hmm. okay. they get good bang for their buck. Okay. That's all we can ask for for government. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go through some of these other names. You let me know if you're familiar with them or if you have any insight. Uh, let's see. Atul Gawande, surgeon writer, recently departed CEO of Haven, which is a J.P. Morgan Chase, Berkshire Hathaway, Amazon healthcare venture. Uh, Luciana Borio, former FDA official and biodefense specialist. Know her. You know her? What? Anything interesting or is she just like a typical civil servant good, solid good solid pick okay all right and let's see next up uh he is the, the chair of the 
there's a oh yeah so he's going to also have an advisory board which is separate from the task force that's going to help shape his approach to managing the surge in reported infections ensuring vaccines are safe effective and distributed efficiently equitably and free and protecting at-risk populations so the chairs of those bo- of that board is marcella nunez smith yale physician and researcher uh vivek murthy uh former u.s surgeon general yeah uh david kessler former fda commissioner and a few other appoint- appointees of note, uh, Julie Morita, former Chicago Health Commissioner, Eric Goosby, former founding director of the federal government's Ryan White HIV AIDS program. I'm not familiar with that. Um, the Ryan I'm, White? I know Ryan White. I wasn't familiar with the federal government's Ryan White HIV AIDS program. Uh, Do you know anything yeah, about it? Always, it? it always winds up getting... Um, wait, how did I lose this page? It always winds up getting mega bucks in the in the budget so hmm, okay it's a it's really solid okay cool cool so just from the list so far are you noticing any patterns or themes or is it just like a good solid pick of professionals no these are these are these are really good people okay a couple of these i've heard before like vivek murthy of course you know surgeon general um and i think they they've already shown like footage i think where uh, Biden was talking with them, uh, Vivek Murthy, during even before the transition and before the election. So he was already boots on the ground trying to get solutions in place even before the election. Uh, let's see. So despite the task force breaths, it does not include several figures still seen as likely to play major roles in the Biden administration's COVID-19 effort, including Joshua Sharfstein, former deputy FDA commissioner, Okay, I know Sharfstein. He used to be the the head of the health department in Maryland. And as you know, I was on one of those boards. So I met with him on a number of occasions. Hmm. You kind of skipped a whole group. Zeke Emanuel has been on TV like every day for the past nine months. Oh, yeah. Former Obama administration healthcare advisor. Uh, And Mm -hmm. Beth Cameron was in my fellowship class with AAAS. I know her quite well. Hmm. And then, oh, yeah, Rebecca Katz as well, well-known Georgetown global health security professor. Um, have heard her speak, don't know her that well. You know what I notice, a pattern that I see? I see one person with former CEO in their title. Because mm-hmm. this is not a business. <laughs> that, that was the thing that, st- that stood out to me. I saw one person, Atul Gawande, who's also a surgeon, a writer, and and former de- CEO of Haven. That was the uh, joint venture I mentioned earlier. Everyone That's else the kind is of thing FD- that Barta would would wind up paying for. Right. Everything else I see is former official, former um, advisor, former basically all civil servants. These are all in you know deep in the wool, deep in the wool, died in the wool, just civil servants, mm-hmm. which is going to be unusual. I guess we should get used to that hopefully all right so how do you feel about that in general um actually the person that i i'm most impressed with that they chose you haven't gotten to and that is michael osterholm so he's at the university of minnesota and the one thing you can say about the state of minnesota is their public health is fabulous Hmm. um he directs the center for infectious disease research and policy at the university of minnesota so Hmm. he's he's the big dog Mm, okay. I mean, uh, Zeke is great. Rick is great. Um, but 
really Michael Michael Osterholm is a get. Mm. Okay. Wario is great too, but you know, maybe it's because I know Osterholm better than everybody else. I mean, Wario I I've known in passing. Okay. But yeah, Michael Michael Osterholm is is fabulous. Good good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, so this is this is a good group. <sighs> okay. So in your opinion, just based on what you know about these people and, and how vaccinations and, you know, public health systems like this would work, like what would you expect from this group or what do you think they might do different once they actually are in charge? They're actually gonna take it seriously. Okay, that that's a given. Um <laughs> No, I mean, I think this, this is a group of people, like, the the important thing, so everybody's all excited that this vaccine is going to be ready and everything. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> if you don't have the public health capabilities and the plan for making sure that you can get these vaccines to the people who need them, it doesn't matter. Now, these people actually know what they're doing. Mm. And they won't be worried about the bottom dollar. Well, I mean, obviously they will be. Anybody who ran BARDA has to worry about money. But what they're going to be more concerned about is whether or not you can keep these people from dying or keep these people from getting sick so they can go back to work. Hmm. <sighs> Fingers crossed. Just count yeah, down to... This is a good group. This is really a good group. Count down to January 20th. Because if you look at, you know... Trump's list of advisors is just a laundry list of former CEOs and former CFOs and and people he likes mm-hmm. who will say yes to him. Yes, friends. I don't see if, if the one thing I know about Michael um, Osterholm, he's not a yes man. Mm-hmm. Okay. He does not care if he doesn't go along, and he he sat on committees that my office worked with in my last job and. He doesn't mind being the skunk at the garden party if he thinks he's right. <laughs> so, you know I'm, what? I'm That's what we need. That's what we need. Fewer yes men. Yeah. He, oh, definitely he's not a yes man. And obviously Rick Bright is not one either. That's how he got fired. Yep. He walked right. He said, yeah, no, I'm, this is not for me. I appreciate that. So one of the first challenges uh, they're going to have, if this is still a thing in January, um... Travelers are buying or faking negative COVID-19 tests to get around entry requirements. Yeah. So just off the headline, that's fucking despicable. Are you surprised by it? A little bit, yeah. Because it's like, it's almost, it's not even lazy. You're actually putting effort into being a dick. Okay, so COVID-19 tests be, have become a common entry requirement for countries and states. A black market has popped up to serve travelers who need test results taken within a few days of departure. Last week, French police arrested seven people for selling falsified negative test results at Paris's Charles de Gaulle International Airport, which is Europe's largest. Prosecutors said the suspects were charging between $180 to $360 for fake certificates. If convicted, the suspects face up to five years in prison and nearly half a million dollars in fines. That's too light. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Um, I, I'm not laughing, but the ingenuity of people just kills me. 
it's not even that they're giving false, like they're finding somebody who's who's negative and mm-hmm. swabbing mm-hmm. them and doing the real test. Mm-hmm. This is just basically fake certificate. Yes, this fake is not diplomas. Even clean pee, right. which is what I was thinking it was going to be. No, it's just because the the people who have to check for this the people who have to look and see does this person have a negative test result it's just a box on a form and so they just have to go by what documentation they have or is presented so if you present them with something and it looks legit the you know border person is not going to be you know educated enough or know enough about this to say hey this doesn't have the right you know uh readings or it doesn't look correct or it's not doesn't have the right seal they can build up to that. They maybe can introduce some new training or put some new protocols in place, but it's kind of relying on people just to not be dicks. I Yeah, I just... First of all, if you're traveling, wouldn't you want to know if you're sick? If you're traveling away from home? Wouldn't you want to know if you have something? What are you asking me for? You know I don't understand how people think. I just was of the impression that they, they were testing you at the airport. No. I knew that. That Mm-mm. that would that would be like more interesting. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just a fake printed up something. Because it's slapdash and there's no leadership, and so people just have to make up rules that they think will work. And so if you're working at an, an airline or if you're another country's tourism board or, or whatever, and you want people to come but you want them to be safe, you're like, hey, in order to get board the plane, you have to have uh, negative test results. You just expect that people are going to go and get test results, not fucking print them on their home computer. It actually looks like it's not only people coming in, but people going out. Oh, yeah. Like, man, oh, man. Yeah. A British man came right out and told the Lancashire Telegraph that he swapped his own name and birthday in on a friend's electronic test result, printed it. When he needed to negative test results within 96 hours in order to travel to Pakistan. And it worked. So it, they just don't feel anything about possibly, even if you don't get sick, giving it to a whole brand new population. Giving it to the shawarma guy on the street, you know, that, that this random country you're just visiting. I don't, I don't get it. It's not worth it. I know it's been a long time. It's not worth it. I don't understand. I really think you should be charged with attempted murder, personally, or manslaughter. Uh, maybe in another country. That yeah. An awful lot of stuff here in the United States. But they say there's not much forgery here. Not yet, but it. I don't know what protocols are in place for different airports, airlines, you know, hotels. I don't know what their protocols are to ensure that people that are coming into their facility are using their services have been adequately tested. I don't think that they're doing it on site. They're relying on paperwork. Yeah, clearly they're not. Otherwise, this wouldn't work. I mean, what might be better is something like what you or your doctor's office would do. They would send like, like if you were getting a test at a facility, the doctor would send the doctor their order over and then you would set an appointment and then they would go by what the doctor's order says. So, you know, if you get your test results, they would send it directly to whoever requested it or whoever you want to send it to. So if it's yeah, Delta Airlines or whoever, to, then... You definitely have to, to do that because we have health privacy here. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that was the whole point. That was part of the point of HIPAA. What do you mean? How do you, how does that relate? Like, unless you give your consent that somebody mm-hmm. knows your medical testing, mm-hmm. which in this case is COVID, that it, that's not going to be something that's going to be easy to do. You are going to have to give the give the go ahead for your test results to be released to somewhere. Oh yeah, exactly. So just just spitballing off the top of my head and how you know government works and, and, and paperwork. What you would have to do is if I'm let's say I'm Delta Airlines and I want everyone who gets on a plane to be tested. I would have to create my own, like, basically HIPAA release, very specified, targeted HIPAA release that says, hey, I, such and such, person who wants to travel, am allowing Delta Airlines for this particular period to view the following results from whatever facility, insert facility, that you get the test results at. And then they have, they are able to view that, and that is it. And I promise you that nobody who's doing any COVID testing wants their fingerprints on any of that. Yeah. That's more work for them. It is. And I don't know that HIPAA has a provision for traveling. It has a provision for law enforcement. It has a provision for, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, when they want to sell you something. Um, well, I can give that to them. That that That's not a HIPAA violation if I give someone test results that I want yeah, them to see. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that's that's still not part of HIPAA, and somebody's going to sue. Wait, how, why would they sue? It's like I'm coming to Delta. Delta says we have to see these test results. And that's exactly it. Delta says we have to see these test results. That's where they sue. Ah, so they want to say that Delta doesn't have a right to see that? I'm telling you, it's just not going to be easy. I get it, but then don't fly. But I guess that's just me. No, I I understand everything you're saying. I'm just saying from the stuff that I remember about HIPAA and mm-hmm. what what I know about having the hospitals release some data or not even not even the hospital. So we've already had a COVID positive person in my in my department basically, mm-hmm. and it was ridiculous to get the the health department to do their job about following up with the people that this person had contact with. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens this person worked in a hospital. So it was easy for this test to be done. What about all the rest of the people who are going through these drive through tests? Like, how are you going to get real records from a place like that? You're, you're probably right, but I got to say this also ain't it. (laughs) I'm, I'm asking people for I, a piece I of paper. What you, I get what you're saying. I'm just thinking about all the ways this could go wrong because I was in policy for long enough that I always think about all the ways this could go wrong. Yeah. Ugh. And I mean, it comes down to what people who aren't sycophants have been saying ever since, you know, the first wave in, you know, March or April is that you can't improve the economy without dealing with COVID. It's not two separate issues. It's the I same feel issue. I like the, the first time somebody with enough money can't get on the plane to go to wherever it is they want to go, mm-hmm. that's when the lawsuits start. <sighs> It'll and be somebody with a private plane who flew all the way to wherever, you know, the Grand Caymans or whatever, and the Cayman Island guy said, no, you have to have a test. And this is where it gets ugly. 
but that, I mean, then you want, it's like you want to have your cake and eat it too then. Because it's like, I, I want things to be open. I want services. I want people to allow me to travel. And I want to stay at hotels. But I also want to be super private about my test results. I don't want anyone to know. Yeah, Get the fuck out of here. Do you understand that people are not rational? Clearly. Okay. <sighs> Clearly. You're the one who studied this. <laughs> I, I, I do, but it still shocks me sometimes. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that because the moment it never shocks me again, I, I'm I'm lost to the dark side. Yeah, so well, I'm already there. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, we were all headed there. I think maybe we can take a slight veer to the left or right just to get kind of get around it for the next four years. But we'll see. This thing is talking about running again. So. Uh, yep. <laughs> so 2020, you got to do it all over again. More town halls, more stupid non-factual shit being quoted on the news like it's facts. It's coming again in 2024. Enjoy your reprieve. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so we let's talk about uh, this vaccine. So news of Pfizer uh, coming up with a uh, their vaccine results, and they the results I believe they said they were 90% effective. That was an. Uh. That was an early analysis showed that the Pfizer vaccine candidate was more than 90% effective. So what does that mean? Okay. So what they're talking about is efficacy. In mm. other words, does it do what it's supposed to do? Mm -hmm. That is a big number, but it's not big in terms of vaccines. The measles vaccine is 90% efficacy. Okay. Now, if we're talking about if it's effective, what you're doing is you're looking at the data for efficacy in the real world. Mm. So let's say I give you a 90% effective vaccine or give it to a, a, a kid and the kid is, is squealing and moving and maybe everything that's supposed to go in their arm doesn't go in their arm. Mm-hmm. That might change it from 90 to 80, right? Okay. So it's not exactly what you get on a really controlled study, but it's still very – it's very nice to see a number that high because if we're talking about something like a flu vaccine, that's mm -hmm. really only like 45 to 50 most years. It, on a good year, it's in the 60s. Okay. So 90% is good. Although this is a very controlled trial, this is we're getting the, this 90 percent number from uh, a press release. Nobody's seen the actual data. It's not published yet. So we have to believe what the marketing department of Pfizer is telling us. Mm. But I don't think it's. It would be worth it to them to lie because it won't take that long for people to figure out that they lied. Exactly. They're so just inviting – they'd be inviting real. scrutiny to their lie, which it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, pro it's probably – it's probably close. It might be 88.9 something, but it's probably close to 90. Okay. And so this might be a question for an epidemiologist, but is 90% enough? given how insidious the virus is where you know you can have it and not know it you can pass it in you know two two degrees of separation someone else can get it the the symptoms are a random rolodex of you know it's a random 
Russian roulette it is 90% enough to kind of move us towards normal life or are we still just going to be wearing masks? I think 90% is the best you can possibly hope for. Ah, okay. So, I mean, it, we don't know if it's good. That's another thing we don't know. This is still a controlled trial. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think you stop and wait till you can get 100%. There's no such thing. Of course. You know, this isn't like to say, uh, should we wait for the next candidate? My question was more, um, if we are able to logistically get this into, say, a quarter of the population's arms, is that enough to kind of move towards normal procedures a again? Of the population? No, I think it has to be more than that. It has to be like one of those vaccines that is on a childhood schedule that everybody gets, like measles. Oh, yes, of course, in the long term. Not 25%, everybody. I'm thinking more in the short term, like, say, in the next three months. I'm just trying to be realistic because I don't think there's a way we can get it into everyone's arm, say, by March. But I'm thinking maybe we can get it into a quarter of the population by March, if this is everything they say it is. Um, I don't think it'll be March. They they still have to scale up. They still, you know, it's not going to be March. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, we're about to... They're probably going to get the most... um, the first responders, the nurses, the doctors, probably the people who who um, stick the swab up your nose. That's not exactly the, the techs, lab. Lab techs. No, that's not. That's not really. That you'd be likely to have those be nurses' aides and stuff like that. Mm, okay. Um, they they never treat the laboratory personnel like they like they count. So. Hmm. They're going to be on the second line. I feel like it sounds really crass and capitalist, but I really do feel like retail people should be next up after that. After you get the healthcare providers and, and health workers. I think the the at-risk folks come next. Ah, so people with conditions. Uh-huh. Okay. And then, um, I don't know if it's going to be retail, but the those people who cannot who cannot work from home. Mm, also, anybody so, who, who can't work at home, who has to work know, in an people, office. Mm-hmm. People like, uh, well, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, some people in retail, but I think the kind of retail we're talking about is supermarkets. Yes. You know, stuff like that. Yes. Oh, no, I'm not talking about, like, the, the, the Versace boutique. I'm, I'm talking about the grocery store, the Walmarts. The yeah. targets, the those drugstore, yes. the target, yeah, those kind of people, um, where you have to go to work, mm-hmm. and you're constantly exposed to people. Even if you follow all the procedures, you're in a building exposed to hundreds of thousands of people a day. So I don't know. Have you been to the grocery store lately? There's so much plastic in there. Um, I have. I haven't noticed too much, other than a lot of stickers on the floor that everyone ignores. That I haven't no, seen like here, a lot more plastic. Like the the loose site between you and the person. Well, and you it's were... really hard if you want to show like your giant card so you can get the discount. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always read through that loose site. You were telling me about like some of the the public health efforts that they're doing in Ohio. Like, do you want to talk about that? I I guess I was a little surprised that they're hitting it this hard. 
So you kind of expect that in blue states. This is a red state. I was sort of thinking that the first time when I first started coming out here, uh, once I took the job, the restaurants were open. There were still, there was spacing, but they were open. And I didn't see that many people with masks on. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, I started here in August. So this would have been like July when I first came out looking for a place to live and that sort of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and met with my boss and, and all that. So all the interviews, you have to come here. I had to sign papers, you know, I had to do that sort of stuff. Okay. So back in the summertime, I don't think they were taking it that seriously. Okay. Since I've been here, apparently the governor has been watching the numbers. And although I, I'm not too happy with the health department, they're obviously watching the numbers. And so there are all kinds of public service announcements on TV, and they are from people that, well, I don't really recognize them, but sometimes they put the names under there, so it's the big college football coaches. Oh, God, okay. And, no, but that works here, right? I I know, I'm just upset it works. That's just me being sour. (laughs) Well, you do what you can. Yeah. And um, there are are lots, there's, there's one I find really, really effective, at least if not that I wasn't masking anyway, but I think it would be very effective. There's one that basically has a bunch of dominoes and it's talking about how maybe you don't think it's that big of a deal, but look what happens Mm -hmm. if you go out. So I I think the PSAs here are really good this week. um, Wait, I have to look it up. So the County I live in Mm -hmm. right now has 4,300 confirmed cases, 95 deaths. The state has something like 290,000 confirmed cases and 5,700 deaths. Wow. Okay. And so we're in we're in the red zone here. The governor, who was Mike DeWine, which I didn't even know before I moved here. Mm -hmm. I might not have taken his job if I knew if I had known whose whose district I was in. Yeah. I'm in Jim Jordan's district, by the way. I left Steny for this. I'm really upset. I left Steny for this. Yeah, you had Steny Hoyer. <laughs> I had Steny for years. Um, so so basically, the the governor made a made a um, an announcement like three days ago, and said he's gonna close bars, restaurants, fitness centers in next week mm-hmm. if basically if the cases don't start going down. Okay. So he's he's threatening you. Look, don't make me come up there. Okay. And he said, "Yeah, I get it. Uh, you're all going to be in trouble, and nobody will have any money. But this is the only way to do this." Right. So on Wednesday, we had something like 5,600 new confirmed cases. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that, that sounds like you're not... still in trouble, right? Yeah, we're yeah. definitely. But this is when when he made his announcement. So we have to wait till next Wednesday and see if it starts going down. Yeah, see, that all just sounds like adults adulting. It Uh sounds like they're taking proper measures and taking it adequately seriously and looking at taking serious measures with teeth, you know, to bring the numbers down. None of that sounds surprising to me, except that the state went hard for Trump. It's really confusing to me. 
so your president is not doing any of that and is fact is in fact flouting that but the governor who has really high approval numbers is doing almost the opposite and disagreeing with him in almost every step but you still vote for mm-hmm. all that i mm. why so even why I even make just, po- why even make policies why even make policies <laughs> what what for yeah i i don't know all I'm saying is I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I will say that uh, Virginia's he made a similar statement. I think a lot of governors, I will say, just for political reasons, were waiting until the election to be over. Yeah, but your governor is not a Republican. No, I mean across the country. I'm talking in general. I think a lot of governors were waiting for the election to be over before they took any real, like, uh, made any real moves about shutting things down because they didn't want any confusion with, are they shutting things down for the election? Are they shutting things down to sway voters? Are they shutting down polls? Blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of them just said, stayed away from it like kryptonite and said, we're going to revisit this after November 3rd. And then at that time, that's why you're hearing a lot of announcements one after the other. They're all looking at the numbers and going, this is crazy. Now it's time to act. There's no, the election's over. Right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. there are political considerations. I don't think like that because I'm a scientist. Right. But that I noticed that both blue and red states were kind of quiet about two weeks before the election. They were just announcing numbers, but they weren't announcing um, like actions. They were just saying, oh, these numbers are crazy. It's getting really bad out there. And then like around last Saturday, they just start making press conferences. About, All right, guys. <laughs> For real, though. <laughs> Yeah, for real though. Yeah, for for real though. Yeah, we we were we were just kind of we were kind of joshing a, a, a while ago, but you, you guys have gotten out of out of hand now. All all the marches, all the protests, all the demonstrations, and then all of the you know shenanigans at the the rallies. Okay, now it has to stop. I think it was literally flying around the country with rallies in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mary. Yes. There's been like 50 some people from the White House who got it. I, I don't even count anymore. It was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But you know, it's it's like, it, does nobody see this? People, Everybody sees this. It's hilarious though. Like we don't see it. Remember Hope this Hicks? This really is the emperor has no no clothes. You remember Hope Hicks, the one who yes. got fired for the affair or whatever? They rehired her, and it turned out she was patient zero. She was the first person in the White House, and you know she was gabbing it up in front of everyone's face guaranteed and the white house i don't know what their ventilation system looks like but it's probably old like most other things in the house yeah it's probably but here's the thing if you've ever been in any of these offices in the white house or in congress whatever people say that again you, you broke up a little bit in in these in the white house in the senate in the house the staff is on top of each other. Oh, yeah. These places are tiny. Like, yeah, the buildings are huge, tiny, but, but the rooms are tiny. Yeah, the rooms are tiny, and they put three people in there. It's like living in a dorm. Mm-hmm. And especially the West Wing. Everybody wants to work there, and unless you're the chief of staff, you have a cubicle. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. people. I don't know. People, are they watch TV, and they think this place is big. And there, you know, the space and there's time for walk and talks when, you know, when Aaron, when, what's his name? Aaron Sorkin. 
yeah, when he writes it, yeah, there's plenty of space, but that's not the way it really is. Well, it is. It's a little deceptive because there's a lot of grand halls and a lot of you know grand like rotundas, but when you get to actual offices and rooms, them shits is small. Really? Because it wasn't. There weren't that many people in them, you know, back in the you know 1800s. But now it's it's ballooned, but they're not rebuilding these places. They're just stuffing more people in it. Exactly. So yeah, but oh, we, that was a huge tangent. We were talking about the uh, Pfizer vaccine. So one of the first things, let's say, let's just take them at their word. Let's say Pfizer is sitting on the ninety percent effective vaccine, first one out the gate. Great. So how do they get it to people? And they say that quickly making millions of doses of the vaccine and getting them to the hospitals, clinics, and pharmacies where they will be injected two separate times into people's arms is going to be the challenge uh-huh. because the thing about so there's two things about the vaccine that we should point out so one is it must be stored at let me get the proper number it's minus 80 80 degrees celsius correct or is that no, I, no well, it's minus 80 oh wait so, i have i have negative 70 celsius negative 94 fahrenheit is maybe it's different numbers that no that doesn't sound right but anyway it's it's that's time magazine for you (laughs) okay but basically a minus 80 freezer i was trying to buy a minus 80 freezer this week Mm. that's how you store microbes Mm -hmm. um rna stuff and but you know i'm i'm trying i've been I'm, i'm almost through my micro course and one of the problems that I'm having is that every year, basically, they bring in new microbes. We don't know how they're going to act. I can't teach a class where I don't know how my strains are going to behave. Mm-hmm. So once I've made sure that this is what it's supposed to be, it's behaving the way it's supposed to behave for the students, I want to freeze it and I want to continue using that same strain. Okay. And the best way to do that is once you grow it up and it's really healthy, you freeze it in half glycerol or, you know, two-thirds glycerol and um, growth broth and you store it at minus 80. Well, minus 80s are expensive and if everybody wants one, they're going to get more expensive. So give us a free market. Give us a round number so people have an idea what you're talking about. Is it expensive for an individual or expensive for a facility? Because that's No individual will ever have a minus 80. It will be in a store or a lab or a hospital like you will never have a minus 80 in your house. Because it's too but, big or because it's too expensive? No, it's the, it's the same size as a regular. Like, it would be fit in the same spot as your refrigerator, but you will never need this. Mm, okay. um, but a minus 80, what I've been looking at, and I've been looking at the cheap places, not the not the bio rads where you, know, you get the top of the line. I'm just looking for what can I put in my little lab at work. And a, a, even... Bottom of the line minus eighty is probably going to run you ten thousand dollars. Okay. And yeah. So ten thousand dollars, and that's when nobody's looking for one. The minute everybody starts looking for one, they're fifteen. Jesus. So I'm trying to figure out if I can go a little less cold, like a minus forty, and see if I can get one of those yeah. for a reasonable price. But yeah, we're talking. We're talking it. No less than 10. This is why research is expensive. And I'm wondering how many facilities that we would want to use to distribute the virus are going to, I mean, distribute the vaccine 
are going to have that freezer on hand? They're not. <laughs> not many? Okay. Yeah, nobody. So when they say it Go must be... Go look at your CVS and ask them, do you have a minus 80 back there? Yeah. So here's, here's the... Have time to make an effective vaccine companies could figure out a way to stabilize it so it wouldn't be at minus 80. Uh -huh. But there's no time. But I mean, logistically, does it even make sense to try to do this lift? Because, okay, so it says it has to be stored at this temperature until shortly before uh, dissemination. So how much is shortly? What are we talking about? Like an hour? A couple minutes? like Probably that day. Okay, so it, you could have then some massive freezer facility within like a three mile radius. Where are you going to get a massive freezer facility? Like, <laughs> I mean, we can't build one. Aren't I? Don't know. I feel like we're aren't we America? Shit, we can't even build a freezer. It's not the freezer. You're talking about the facility where they're storing this, isn't that right? Yes, but it's an emergency. We can't make space. I don't do logistics. Mm. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so the, this is a an RNA vaccine, which that's why the minus 80. And so what does that mean and why is the temperature critical? Uh, RNA is like, especially mRNA, that's the messenger RNA. So um, in this case, this is an RNA vaccine and the, mes the message message of it is the the um is their genome okay so messenger rna is extremely fragile mm. that's why it has to be stored really cold so um right so the as a rule messenger rna is when your dna is expressing something they want to be able to turn it on and turn it off really fast. That's why you don't have mRNA hanging around in the cells for a long period of time. It lyses, well, lyse is not the right word, but it basically breaks apart really quickly. Okay. So if, for example, if I, when I was doing research, I, I would run RNA gels and the, the size markers for the RNA gel, if you didn't store them in the minus 80, by the time you take them out and load them on the gel, they disappear. Oof. Yeah. This is no joke. So what potentially would happen to a box of this vaccine if it were left out for like two hours before it was won't administered? Work. Is it just a bottle of nothing or is it less yeah, effective? It won't work. It, oh. It's and then, okay, worst case scenario, would the person receiving it or even the person administering it know if it had gone inert? No, you can't tell by looking. Ah, shit. Okay. So you literally could have a box of actual genuine vaccine that's just garbage, but still gets administered to people and they get checkboxed as having received the vaccine. Um, that could happen as long as you don't have anybody there who has sense enough to check the temperature. Oh, See, Jesus. when you when you start in an emergency like this and people just go, just give me somebody, you've got to have somebody trained who would know to check the temperature. Oof. 
Okay. You need a scientist. You need a ner- You need somebody trained. Like everybody said, oh, anybody can be a contact tracer. Just you know, you don't know that. I'm still waiting for the contact tracers from the state lab in Ohio to call my students. They've been they've been out for 14 days and back for a week, and still nobody's called them. And that does not have scientific ramifications in the same way as this does. You know, what happens if you have somebody where the the freezer is beeping, they just go over there and they turn off the alarm. I'm not. And you know you've seen that. I'm not poo-pooing the vaccine. That's great news. Good job, Pfizer. But now I'm just less uh, excited. I I don't have faith that people can actually do this this big heavy lift properly. Oh, they're going to figure out how to do it. I mean, when we look at that group of people, they're going to figure out how to do it. Oh, you mean in January? Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, then. But I guess now is, so what? (laughs) I can't figure out how to do it because I don't do public health. But I'm sure they can figure out how to do it. They're going to wind up with lots of little tiny minus 80s. But those suckers pull electricity. Hmm. Even if you have a big freezer, a big refrigerator in your house, it pulls electricity. Oh, that's These something, that's something else I didn't even think about. You also have to, even if they, let's say they were able to just mass, you know, manufacture a bunch more of these freezers. I imagine someone has to maintain them in case something oh, goes yeah. wrong. So yeah. now you need the staff to be able to get yes. to all and of those freezers staff. because the, the freezers are holding vital vaccine so it's not just like oh it went out we'll we'll be over there next wednesday yeah exactly shit okay well so but i mean like i said i was trying to move towards a minus 40 and it was a desktop that i thought maybe i could work with in in lab what's going to happen next is all these you know refrigerator people who were usually the same people as the car manufacturers and we know how much manufacturing has left here. Mm-hmm. We're going to need, you know, 200,000 of these things. <laughs> Somebody has to make them. They can't all come from China. Ugh. But, you know, Frigidaire is about to get a lot of money from Barda. I actually have an article about that. So Slate already has an article because they realize Americans are dicks. Pfizer's COVID vaccine has to be stored at negative 80 degrees Celsius. And there's already a run on freezers. There are a few caveats to the promising news this week about one of the coronavirus vaccines. For one thing, it has to be kept cold during distribution. Very, very cold. On Monday, Pfizer announced that its coronavirus vaccine proves to be 90% effective based on early analysis of the data from a clinical trial involving 44,000 people. In a press release, the pharmaceutical giant said the vaccine, which is administered in two doses, that's something else we got to talk about, provides protection for at least a month, though further testing could reveal that the effects last longer. Pfizer is planning to apply for an emergency use authorization, blah, blah, blah. What's with these freezers? Uh, Yep, Pfizer's vaccine takes advantage of genetic material called mRNA, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes, yes. Because of the odds that a COVID vaccine will need to be distributed at very low temperatures, hospitals and health systems around the country have been snatching up freezers that are capable of storing the vaccine as well as dry ice for shipping so there's also going to be a run on dry ice because i presume you can use that in a pinch right 
you can use it to go from place to place. Say the freezer, mm. say the freezer is in in um, DC. The blood bank, okay, the well, blood bank part yeah. of the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not bringing people into the blood bank to get the shot. So what you have to do is put all of your stuff in dry ice, which I mean, it's basically any kind of fruit, any kind of uh, cooler, but it's just full of dry ice. Mm-hmm. You take that down to the clinic, and that's where you give the shots. Ah, but okay. you can't keep it in dry ice like it's a real freezer. Right, but so that's for strictly transportation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, such freezers are typically found at research facilities rather than run-of-the-mill doctor's offices or retail pharmacies. Storage in minus 80 degrees is very tough for resource-poor settings, and it's actually tough for a lot of regular clinics in most communities. So one of the things that I read um, in another article is that some of the communities that are going to be hardest to get the vaccine to are going to be rural communities where there's like a lot of miles between the closest minus 80 freezer and the majority of the people that need to get the vaccine. That's, that's absolutely right. They're going to have to set up distribution and you're going to have to drive there. I can't see, I can't see them trying to drive the vaccine out into say like Amish country. No, you do it in Philadelphia and the Amish have to come to Philadelphia. The federal government doesn't seem to have a nationwide plan for distributing freezers. No surprise there. They had a plan for anything. It has. You you sometimes have to say it out loud just so people are aware (laughs) that that could have been a thing. Could have had a national plan. But uh, so states have largely been left to figure it out for themselves. So now they're bidding up freezers between states, of course. It's unclear how many freezers, how many of these freezers are in the U.S., but there are efforts to produce more, like we just talked about, as experts expect there to be a shortage. There are fewer than 10 national suppliers of the freezers, and manufacturing a unit can take anywhere from 10 days to six weeks to build one. I told you. So even if there was like someone just drove up the money truck and said, make me 100 more of those freezers, minimum, minimum 10 days to get one or two. And well, 10 days to get 10 at least, minimum. But that, And that is assuming that you can get to a manufacturer. Oh, yeah, because, well, it says there's na- they're national suppliers. So there might be international suppliers as well. But what can... I'm saying about the national suppliers, like, I don't know. I mean, you're you're from the D.C. area. I'm from a place that was actually a manufacturing hub. Mm-hmm. Half the time, these these places are are a third of the size that they were when I grew up. Um, if they still exist at all, or if they have, if they are still in the same place, like, um, we had a Mack truck. Mack truck manufacturing in Allentown. It moved to South Carolina because they could pay the people less. Mm-hmm. And we actually had trains and good infrastructure. So a lot of times when they move to these places, they don't have the same thing. So now you've gotten to the point where it's, t- it's going to take longer to get somewhere. Okay. This is a mess. Yeah, I prefer protein vaccines for many reasons, and this is one of them. So are you aware who is currently working on a protein vaccine, and do you have any idea, like, what stage they're at? 
I don't. They they don't have the the move of Pfizer who can just say, "Hey, I want to do a press conference and everybody listens." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, this this is going to be a bear. I mean, I think it's going to work, but it's going to be hard to distribute this. Hmm. It will get better when you have people who actually want to do it, you know, and not want to pretend that this doesn't exist. It's a we're not going to talk about COVID, 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 COVID after the election because it's not real. And one of the other things that this motherfucker not conceding does is it politicizes everything the Biden administration does when it first starts. Mm-hmm. Because if he goes all the way up to January 20th and he never actually says, my opponent ran a good campaign, we ran a good campaign, and he came out on top and we're going to start the transition that kind of lets the air out of a lot of anger and vitriol. If he never does that, and then it's just a immediate swap on January 20th at noon, it's still going to be a lot of people that are pretty pumped up and activated. And there any... going to be people pumped up and activated even if he does do it. True, but it would be less, and it, it at least then, well... I don't think it will be less, but the thing is, once he admits to it, then you can fund the transition right now there's no money to fund the transition yeah i was talking more about the like the psas so making messages if it was a more cooperative normal administration that was exiting it would be a joint effort it's like we're going to use our utilize our resources in the federal government to make sure people know that the vaccine is good and they should be making efforts to get it and then it's a smooth transition to the messaging that comes up when the next administration enters. It's like, yes, just like my previous occupant said, vaccine good, you should get it. There's no politicization of it. That's never going to happen with this orange fool. I know. But that's what that's what makes it because it's just not going to happen. He never became presidential, even though they claim, oh, he became president with this speech. And also with with the Pfizer one. So we never uh, just to make sure we talk about I want to get your input. So you have to get two doses, correct? Yeah. Is it at all possible that when you get the first dose, your arm may be sore or you may get a fever or something like that? Um, well, that's usually possible with most vaccinations. We have never had um, an RNA vaccine license for use before. So all bets are off. My guess would be there'll be precious few side effects. Yeah, I'm not even talking about side effects. I'm talking about perceived side effects. So if my arm does hurt or I do feel like, oh, no, I got a little cough or uh, I have a fever and I'm going to attribute it to the vaccine. And that could be really bad word of mouth. It could. That's be, my but worry. That's the same. It's the same as the as the flu vaccine. I can't tell you how many people have told me I got the vaccine and I got the flu. Uh, that yeah, that's is true. Absolutely impossible. Uh, yeah, I've, ta- I've talked to those people too. The, the virus and they stick it in your arm and then you get sick. No, that's not what happens. Um, anytime somebody sticks a needle in your arm, it's probably going to hurt. Mm. But, you know, we already have problems with that. They, they, they now call it vaccine hesitancy. I know what anti-vaxxer is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're already going to have those problems. And I think for people who take it seriously, they will take the vaccine. 
you know, my friend's mother is dead because she got it. I'm I believe in vaccination, Mm -hmm. even though I prefer to wait until the kinks are all worked out. Um, Usually the first time the vaccine goes wide, I try to wait six months before I get it, because by that time, any of those one in a hundred thousand side effects are going to show up. You don't mm. see those in the in in phase three because there are just not enough people. Yeah, and it could be that the Pfizer vaccine is only used for this first round of vaccinations before something else that's a little less, you know, sensitive is going to well, be on the market. Well, they always switch out vaccines. I mean, nobody's right. using the same vaccine they were ten years ago. Right, but I'm thinking maybe even four to five months in before everyone's been vaccinated, there may be other candidates where, oh, we don't need a freezer. We can literally just store it in our normal facilities. And that's the vaccine that's going to wind up being the one everybody takes. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, at least we know then there's an incentive for these other companies to keep going. It's not like Pfizer beat them and that's it. They're like, this is a really complicated lift, heavy uh, requirements, heavy logistic requirements. So, if you can come up with something that we can literally just store in a refrigerator and ship by our normal means via FedEx, then that would be great. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because that whole what's the name of the of the the Trump initiative? Fast? What was it? Fast warp something? speed. Well, yeah, warp speed. Mm. Okay, so Pfizer didn't get any warp speed money. <laughs> so interesting. The people who had warp speed money can still continue to work. Mm-hmm. And possibly come up with something that's going to be easier to to um, distribute. And maybe they can actually take their time if, it, if more time is required because there's something else that is available to kind of tamp down the numbers, I guess. Well, if, if they can actually get it out. I mean, yeah. that's the problem. Oof. Any other final thoughts? Uh, I wanted to do a quick uh, recap on the, the mink story we talked about last week. Because they had had some more developments. Anything else you want to talk about with the Pfizer vaccine or any thoughts? No, I think we've we've talked about all the possibilities. Um, it's still a good thing that they've gotten this. Now they have to. Now what they have to do is figure out how to stabilize it, and that is not going to be easy. Because if you could stabilize messenger RNA, oh, I would have had my PhD much faster. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, fingers crossed that this is. Uh, still good news, and uh, it is still good news. Yeah, I, I just need people now to kind of do their part too. It's like the scientists and the researchers have kind of done what they're supposed to do now, distributing it and carrying your ass to the pharmacy or wherever to get it injected is our duty or to figure out how to do if it's even available in the um, the numbers that we need. But we'll see. Right. Okay, so yeah, I did see something um, yesterday on the the minks. So this is in the Nature uh, Journal. It says COVID mink analysis shows mutations are not dangerous yet. (laughs) The analysis found the mutations probably won't jeopardize vaccines. Yay. But scientists say the rampant spread means the animals still need to be killed. Yeah, get off my foot. Sorry, my cat has just decided that he needs to lick my bare feet. (laughs) As always. He's a bad kitty. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, this is this is just awful. So it says health officials in Denmark have released genetic and experimental data on a cluster of SARS-CoV-2 mutations circulating in farmed mink and people days after they are announced the mutations could jeopardize the effectiveness of the vaccines. Scientists who have reviewed the data say the mutations themselves aren't particularly concerning because there is little evidence that they allow the virus to spread more easily among people, make it more deadly or will jeopardize therapeutics and vaccines. The mink-associated mutations we know of are not associated with rapid spread, nor with any changes in morbidity and mortality. But researchers say culling the animals is probably necessary, given the virus's rapid and uncontrolled spread in mink detected in more than 200 farms since June, which makes the animals a massive viral source that can easily infect people in regions. Yeah, with anybody who works with them, absolutely. Yeah, in regions with affected mink farms, the number of people with COVID-19 increases a lot says Iverson, and there are roughly three times more mink than people in Denmark. The mink call is necessary. And I would love, I know Peter would love to say that they're wrong, but in NPR, there was another story yesterday about the coronavirus found in minks in Greece. Greece is not close to Denmark. No, well, it was in the UK as well, right? I mean, they're not yeah. that close either. Uh, the UK is a little closer, much closer than Greece is. But it just sounds like like are we literally going to cull them into extinction are they going to like retain a few to like repopulate later or i don't know well, we talked about this last week yeah i think they they need some some clean founders which means they need to figure out who's positive and who's negative so they need a noah's ark of mink <laughs> yeah wow Whew, that is grisly work i would not want to be, do that even as you know, someone who's not like you know, a, like an animal lover or like a PETA person or anything like that, like that's that's grisly. Just murdering I mean, I millions want, I and want, millions of mink. I want somebody to buy me a mink coat, but I don't want to get COVID from it. You know what I mean? Right. And wanting a mink coat does not mean you want all the mink dead. This is no. just oof. And and, and I it's still leather coats too. I think they're kind of keeping it under wraps on purpose because it probably is just really gross. But I haven't seen a single person talk about the methodology for this. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. I just want to know how they're doing it. What the mutation is, too. Oh, okay. Um, What's it say about that? I don't need to. I don't need to reveal. It doesn't make sense to anybody unless you're a biochemist in the first place. Okay. Nothing. of interest to us uh, normies. <laughs> no, it just tells you which which amino acid has changed. Okay. That's all. And so they're saying that what what is the yet part? I don't get it. If it's if the mutation is doesn't make it more dangerous. What is with the yet? Are they just saying it could mutate again? I mean, any strain could mutate again. Any strain can mutate again. Yeah. So what do they even mean by that? They just mean right now this is not an issue. I mean. Okay. You can't make stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. You can't say, well, it just it mutated and it's going to be bad. Well, we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was some monoclonal antibody that didn't respond to this one mutation. So. Wow. Ugh, hopefully it doesn't jump to any more animals. Like fucking turkeys. And just ruin Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oof, Americans would be hot. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't we? Oh my God! It's like you have to murder all the turkeys, and you no, can't you even wait eat them until it hits cows. That's oh, really gonna be that, you you hush your mouth. Yeah, see, if it hits a cow, we're gonna be in trouble. If I can't get a fucking cheeseburger, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> just burn the whole country down. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Let's just burn it to cinders. <laughs> uh, everybody will be jumping to pork, and if I can't get a pork roast, I'm going to kill somebody. And, I mean, the Muslims and Jews are like, what? Say what now? <laughs> we got to do what? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. So, wait, I can't even have my, uh, what is it? Um, what is that beef dish? I, I can't believe it just flew out of my mind. What beef dish, dear? It's a roast. Um... Pot roast, you mean? No, not pot roast. It's really soft and tender. It's like it's kind of fatty until you cook it down. God, what is that called? Brisket. Yes, brisket. Oh, brisket. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine if the Jewish community is like, "What? No brisket? We have to do a pork roast? A pork yeah, loin?" That's not happen. <laughs> Although I knew this Israeli woman, and she's like, "Oh, it's good. Pork is good." <laughs> like what? I mean, it. I mean, it, it is. is but she was is. Israeli. Not even like I'm socially a Jew, but not religiously a Jew. Like she was Israeli. She's like, oh no, pork roast is really good. It, it is. I'm, it is. I'd yeah. love to call her a liar, but uh, you put the pork roast in the right cook's hands, and that is magic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, yeah. All right. So let's hope it just stays in mink and even doesn't jump to a lot of wildlife. I mean, right now, this is farmed mink, so they haven't said anything about any of the wild ones. I mean, I presume that's how it got to Greece. It just worked its way down the populations. I don't know. Maybe the Greeks bought some some uh, mink to start a new business. There's no mm, reason to believe that it, that's true. what happened. True. Yeah. Ugh. It's a good thing mink aren't sentient, because this would just be... Ugh, the stress. <laughs> I think they're going to notice when all their friends start getting killed. Yeah. Sentient or not. Trying uh, to like find they mates. Know. They're like, I know there were like 15 females here yesterday. What the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, where, where are my girls? Damn. <laughs> it's hard in these streets. <laughs> Actually, there's this, there's this, uh, I can't remember what her name is. She's a scientist and she figured out ways to get cattle to to slaughter that they don't get upset so they actually know something what do you they mean they can tell something's happening oh she had like how do you do it without getting them upset yeah like apparently when you put the the cattle through they they take them from wherever the barn or whatever mm -hmm. to to the slaughterhouse they they know what's happening oh and they get upset and she she figured out a way to have them go through this. I forget what her name is. I've seen her on TV a lot. She has she has autism. Mm -hmm. And she says having autism makes her think like an animal. She has a PhD hmm. in something or other. Animal husbandry or something like that. Hmm. And so it's clear that they actually have some knowledge of what's happening. Is it, the, mean, is it the smell? Just cow. I don't know what it is. But oh. they know. And they are stressed. So I imagine that the, the mink Maybe if you take all of them at once, they're going to notice something's wrong. Mm. Ugh. But anyway, okay. We should, we That's should depressing enough. This. Yeah, and ugh. Well, I mean, we didn't end on a, a great note, but I thought it was worth following up on instead of uh, scaring people to smithereens last time. But uh, yeah, tell the people where they can find you. You can always find me at Koki Talks Trash where I'm discussing the events of the day. And if you want to talk science, although I've been really quiet um, at the Koki Negra account, somebody hacked me and was trying to sell something 
Oh. Yeah. Wait, wait. So what? Uh, I think it was sunglasses. <laughs> Sun. Wait, they hacked your account to sell sunglasses? Uh-huh. It must be cheap to hack accounts. I guess. Jesus. Okay. Anyway, it's back to normal, but um, I haven't been doing a lot of talking. Did you just have to change your password? Yeah. Okay. All right. And delete all those crazy sunglasses mm-hmm. tweets. Okay. All right. Well, glad you caught that in time before they started selling something else. <laughs> I'm still getting a bunch of. Uh, all of a sudden, I started getting Viagra tweets from random numbers, and every time I block one, I get another number. So, so they, what are they trying to say? I have <laughs> I have no idea, but they're just like, like, how did you get this number? And how do you even know I'm a man? Clearly, someone sold my shit, but I, I'm just con- clearly my block list is is out of control now. So, yeah, but you can find me uh, at pfunkin' around on Twitter. As far as I know, I haven't been hacked. Um, so, somebody will tell you. Yeah. So that's what happened to me. A couple people were like, uh, "Have you looked at your account?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So everything looks fine. So yeah, you can find me uh, at pfunkin' around, and you can follow the show at. at you know molecules, capital U, K N O W molecules, and uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, this countdown to January twentieth will will we'll all make it, and we'll all be happier for it. Let's hope so. All right, take care, everybody. Bye.